Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about insect control, especially in soybeans. But I'll just start you with this. When we talk insect control, the number one thing we want you thinking about is what's the economic threshold? So we'll explain that and talk about insecticides throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us, you can certainly call into the show here, 844-44-AG-PHD. Our number again is 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So we'll get to the AgPhD mailbag in just a minute. Before we do, I guess I would just say, with this economic threshold, what it really comes down to is, do you have enough bugs to justify the treatment? And when we think about the soybean price today or the corn price, or the price of almost any commodity, it is a lot different than it was last summer. So I personally, as a farmer, am super excited about it, obviously, because uh, we're just selling beans right now for over $13 locally here, and even fall beans, 11 bucks. Well, if I can get 11 bucks for my new crop soybeans, that's pretty good. And I'm going to pull the trigger a lot earlier on spraying for bugs and, quite frankly, spraying for anything than I would if the soybean price was $7 like it was for a little bit last year. So that's a a big, big difference, and we want you thinking about the economic threshold. The second thing we want you thinking about is, do I have enough bugs there to justify an insecticide at all versus, I mean, is there going to be even any economic damage or let me, let me turn this around another way. Do I have enough beneficial insects out there to kill the insects that are in my field? So quite often here on the show, we are talking about pesticides, but what we always say is, look, our hope is that you never have to spray any pesticides and that you can figure out how to farm, how to get the maximum profit off your farm by just raising this fantastically great crop that takes care of itself. Unfortunately, in the real world, that just doesn't happen most of the time. When we have insect populations, they build, and eventually you do have to spray quite often. So, that's really what we got to know. It depends on the insect, depends on the year, depends on your yield potential, depends on the price. So a lot of factors that that need to enter into that decision. And like I say, we'll talk about those throughout the show today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right. I get a question here from Randy. He said, I'm located in Northeast Nebraska and I'm thinking about doing some double cropping. I've got A quarter of ground with wheat, it's under pivot, and I want to try double cropping soybeans. Now, normally, if I had to replant around July 6th to the 10th, when I'm hoping I can harvest this wheat, I'd be still planting a 1.8 to 2.0 maturity soybean. Just wondering, is that what you would recommend? Just stay with that 1.8 to 2.0 planted likely the second week of July. Sounds late to me. I mean, if you can get it to finish consistently, that'd be great. I I just struggle to believe that it's consistently going to finish, though. If it was me, I'd probably consider planting an early group one, maybe even a late group zero at that late date. Uh, 
you know, you're you're kind of right on the border of being able to double crop or not. Because when you start talking about planting soybeans the second week of July in northern Nebraska, your yield potential is obviously dramatically lower than what it would have been planted two months earlier or even three months earlier. So I, I, I'm not saying this is a bad idea because if you can make it work, that's awesome. And obviously with the pivot there, you've got the moisture situation taken care of. If it's dry land, then I would really worry about that wheat sucking a lot of the moisture out. And in a drier year, you get almost nothing for your soybean yield. So at least you do have moisture. But yeah, I, uh, as far as the maturity goes, if you could make that one eight or two all work, great. I just I I, I doubt it. I, I I don't I don't think you you can get by with that consistently, and uh, and have it finish and actually mature. Right. Thanks for the question, Randy. Really appreciate that. This is from Shane. He said, are there any materials we should be printing out for the upcoming workshops you've got uh, this week and also in February we plan to attend virtually? Well, if you would like to print them out, you certainly can. So uh, I, I believe tomorrow, and I better make sure our people get that done, but tomorrow we will put it, be putting up a link so you can download the materials and then you can certainly take a look at those while we're going through our live presentation, um, you know, on a computer screen, or you could have them printed out. Now, in total, I will tell you, we're going to have a about 220-page book. Now, granted, there's over 100 pages of farmer rebate programs, so that's a bunch of it. But still, uh, even without that, there are a lot of pages. So if you want to use the paper, go for it. Otherwise, you could certainly have it up on a screen at the same time. Or we will have, just as we're live streaming, the important points that are on that screen. So it's not like you have to have something there. I will say, though, please take notes as you go through. So that way, if there are any questions or you need to review anything later, that it will be helpful. So anyway, those are my suggestions. All right, get this one from Matt. He said, I'm planting in List E3 beans this year. Can I spray 2,4-D LV6 with my three pre's anytime around pre-emergence, or do I need to wait a week to plant like with Roundup Ready beans to avoid injury? I am also trying to knock down mare's tail. Okay, so first of all, there will be no injury. But you have to look at what the label actually says. On the LV6, it's going to tell you one to two weeks, depending on your rate. So we just have to say you got to follow the label. So technically, if you want to, let's say, plant the beans first and then spray, the only labeled 2,4-D at that point would be the Enlist products. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, also got one here from Joe. He said, I did sign up for Neil Kinsey's workshop coming up. I also wanted to sign up for your virtual versions of your corn and soybean agronomy workshops. Uh, I signed up for Neil Kinsey. I think that means that I'm getting an Ag PhD insider. Just wondering how to go about signing up. If you are if you are uh, curious about that, you can certainly call or or email about that again. But uh, if you're getting the Ag PhD insider, you should have gotten an email now with your login for the virtual soybean and corn classes. And if not. Uh, please respond. This email is a few days old, so may have already gotten the answer. Thanks, Joe. We'll be right back after this. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. 
That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Goose deck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Bill wants plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Talking today about insect control in soybeans and certainly a lot of different pests that are impacting our soybean crops. And I remember growing up, it seemed like on our farm, grasshoppers were the biggest concern for us. Oh man, if we get grasshoppers out in our soybeans, that would be a terrible thing. Now we've got a lot more types of bugs that we're really worried about and causing a lot of damage. So we're going to talk about that today and also take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Start off with Brent Newberger with FMC to talk insect control and soybeans. Brent, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. All right. First of all, I'm going to ask the question everybody wants to know. I'm not sure if there's an answer to this, but uh, so if there's not, you can feel free to tell me. What's the expectation for insect pressure in 2021? It seems like a pretty mild winter so far, and that would lead me to believe, just from a layman's perspective here on entomology, that we could have more bugs next year. And you're exactly right there, but it's always difficult to predict. I've been with FMC now 26 years, and I'll go back a number of years. We used to, you know, before the BT hybrids and corn, we always used to try to predict uh, European corn borer. We'd go out there in the, in the fall and count stalks, split the stalks and, and count larvae and see what we'd have, and we'd get high count. We're going to have a, a heavy, you know, European corn borer pressure, and Mother Nature would, in the spring would, would throw a wrench, and we'd have you know, not as good viability or disease in, in the in the population, and we wouldn't have as much. And then the next year, we'd have low counts, and we wouldn't produce as much product. And the next thing you know, we had a tremendous pressure. So all I can say is each year is different. Each year we can, can encounter some different insects, but with 2020 being such a light insect pressure, I'm going to probably maybe uh, bank that there's a better chance than not that we're going to have 
uh, higher insect pressures of something. Um, so even if it is one where there wasn't that many acres treated, in 2020 and so i'd venture to guess we're going to see some more soybean aphids and who knows what shows up uh number 2019 we ran into a lot of painted lady caterpillar the thistle caterpillar and that's something you just don't normally see all of a sudden we saw a bunch of them so i guess we will wait for 2021 yeah, it's always interesting to see what happens. You're right. Sometimes there's kind of a strange bug that pops up that nobody expects. It happens once every 10 years. But uh, one of the things I'm thinking about, Brent, is just going into this year, when soybean prices are high like they are right now, on our farm, we're always looking at the economic threshold. When, when we've got high prices, that means it takes less bugs for us to justify an application. Is that how you look at insect thresholds as well? Oh, I most definitely. And so obviously with what's occurring with the soybean prices, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a greater need to, to really watch what we're seeing. And, and, and I think uh, there's a large number of people that, you know, if they're applying a fungicide, say at the R3 timing of soybeans, you know, that threshold, it, it becomes very, very small when you're able to just look at adding, particularly the case of the pyrethroids like and hero, they're very inexpensive. You can just throw them in with that fungicide. And since you're already making that trip across the field, that, that uh, insecticide cost is, is very negligible and um, a quarter of a bushel and, and you got a return on investment already. Yeah, that's exactly right. It doesn't take much when you've got good prices like this. The other thing too, Brent, that, that we talk about a lot is when we've got some aphids and some grasshoppers and uh, some loopers or, or different caterpillars that are out there chewing up leaves, you've got multiple pests out there. Do we have to be at a threshold level for one? We've always kind of felt like, man, if we've got uh, 75% threshold of four different bugs, we're way over threshold. We need to get spraying. Oh, you're definitely right. And that's the hardest thing is to get, you know, a university multi-pest threshold because usually they're specialists. And so they'll do specific thresholds for soybean aphids. Any, you know, a threshold that's published for soybean aphids. But like you said, I've never been into a field where all I see is soybean aphids and I don't have any other insect pressure whatsoever. And so when we look at those multi-pests, you know, there may be some defoliation thresholds that are out there. Uh, Usually, you know, as you get further into the season, into the reproductive stages, those thresholds uh, greatly decrease. But again, with the price of beans, uh, I think we're going to see for a year that, you know, we really need to go out there. And as I always tell people, you're getting ready to make a trip across that field, whether it's a late roundup application, a herbicide application, or fungicide application, take a sweep now out there. We'll see what's out there because, you know, driving by the road, you can't see what's out there. But you take a sweep net out there, do some investigation, find out what is out there and really can help make that decision and make a sensible um, economic and environment. Well, I'm hoping these prices stay good for soybean producers this year, and it's, it plays out exactly as we've been talking here with Brent Newberger from FMC that, man, we've got to protect these beans because they're really worth something in 2021. Brent, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. You bet. Thank you very much. 
Sit down in Nebraska, we get Travis Gustafson with Syngenta with us. And Travis, we were talking a lot about these foliar pests. I'm thinking about what we're doing with our seed treatment. I was just actually talking to some of your Syngenta seed care counterparts about what's going on with 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 insects and, and the importance of adding something like Cruiser to the package on the seed treatment. It, it's a big deal. There's some big yield gains this last year. Yeah, you know, I ran into a few situations last year where um, – corn maggots were, uh, were really decimating some stands out there so making sure you've got that uh, insect protection on the seed is going to be valuable for this coming year too you know when when you think about nematodes there this isn't what we're talking about today we're talking about insects but I, I know i got talking to your counterparts about that as well just with all the sds growers have seen we've sur- sure seen a big uptick in interest in products like saltro and i know when we stop nematodes just like when we're stopping some of these problem insects in many cases we stop that disease from getting into the plant to begin with and that's got to be a good thing yeah absolutely these um the nematode protection, not only do you stop the nematodes, but a lot of these secondary infections that you'd get, like um, uh, sudden death syndrome, that's, you know, the nematodes open up that wound for that sudden death to take a, to infect as well. So we really need to be hitting these nematodes pretty hard. Hey, one one pest that they didn't really have any answers for me, and I don't know if anybody's got the answer on it yet, is the soybean gall midge larvae. Uh, what have you been learning on that, Travis? I know Nebraska has certainly been one of the states that's been hit hard. Right, yeah. Um, that's one of the new and upcoming pests. It's kind of been um, a hot topic in eastern Nebraska. You get into southeastern South Dakota, western Iowa, and, and, and northern Missouri. Um the universities are working really hard at trying to figure out what uh, what methods, what what ways we have to control soybean gallmage. And um, I've seen it, it's not going to be there's not going to be a silver bullet out there. It's going to take a combination of some seed treatments, some foliar applications, and maybe even some things like planting date modification um, to really manage this pest. So, um, quite honestly. Uh, I'm not sure I've got any good answers right now, but we're making progress. We're seeing some um, some pieces of data that are coming in that are promising, but uh, it's difficult to really come up with a good recommendation for those right now. All right, let's get into some of these foliar bugs then. When we think about all the different pests that are going to hit soybeans, there's defoliators that are out there that it seems like we need to see a lot of damage before they really amount to a lot of yield loss. But then you've got some pests like bean leaf beetles that could be a vector for disease. How do you draw that line and know when to treat? Um, well, like we said with bean leaf beetles, you get hit twice in the season with bean leaf beetles and um, our, for, for the first flush of bean leaf beetles, we're usually protecting those with a seed treatment that's um, systemic within the plant, like cruiser seed treatment that will protect us against bean leaf beetles early on. But then later on in the season when, you know, they can vector in bean pod model virus and some of these other viral diseases, um, you know, some of those, you know, I think with the previous caller, you were mentioning about how uh, some of these single pest uh, economic thresholds are tool but i think we got to take into account the entire pest complex which would include diseases as well as other insects that are out there before we pull the trigger on spraying absolutely and with the price of soybeans right now it's it's going to be pretty critical that we do a good job at this we're talking with travis gustafson with syngenta travis thank you so much really appreciate having you on today 
You bet. Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly. Partnering with microbes for human benefit. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. There's a lot of excitement and enthusiasm about some of the winter meetings that we've got coming up, and a lot of people tired of being cooped up, that's for sure, and looking forward to the year in 2021, wanting to get, gain some new information. You can find all the details by visiting our website at agphd.com. Let's get back into insect control in soybeans. And we were talking a little bit about that multi-pest threshold, and that seems to be one of those tricky things because yeah, how do you do a study on that to prove exactly what numbers? Got Dwayne Rathman on with us right now with BASF. Dwayne, I don't know if you ever walk into a soybean field, run a sweep net, and only find one type of insect, do you? 
Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a good day, right? It's never as clear cut as that. Uh, you know, certain times of the year, maybe, but most of the time you get ca- uh, this little caterpillar here, you know, and a and a uh, aphid there, and a Japanese beetle over there, right? And probably something that you've never ever seen before out there too. And there's always something there that leaves your head in. scratching a yeah. little bit. So what are yeah, you thinking going in, new one in that category? Yeah, going into 2021, a lot of stuff going and definitely want to talk to you about what's coming in the BASF pipeline too, because I know uh, your company is always working on some new things. There's some pretty exciting things there in the insect control front too. Right. So I think probably this time last year, I talked to you about uh, Safina. So that's our newest what has been our newest product, and that's a very specific narrow-spectrum product for aphids and aphids only. So go back to your original question. If you have aphids, that's a great product to use because it controls aphids, but nothing else essentially in our in our soybeans. So that's good and bad. It doesn't control any other insect, but it also doesn't control, uh, uh, you know, beneficial insects, and, and it doesn't uh, have any major harm to honeybees, which makes applications a lot smoother. But once you have the other insects of concern and their levels, you need to control them. Now, now you need to find some other modes of action. And that's where we have this year made a combination product. It's basically Safina plus a pyrethroid. So the good and bad of that is now that pyrethroid, two mode of action product is very broad spectrum and it controls some of these other insects we talked about. However, it doesn't have the same beneficial aspects that only Safina would have. No, that's true. You can't, but you can't always have everything. And when I think about Minnesota, there's certainly been some aphids that have not been responding to the pyrethroids and having an option like that allows you to knock out some of those other problem bugs at the same time. I I like it. Right, right, exactly. And that's, that's really the reason put that product together is now you can control a broad spectrum list of insects with the combination product and also protect yourself from areas that have pyrethroid-resistant aphids. I know you've got a new product out there, Taraxa, on cereals for seed treatment that's that's getting labeled. And I'm just curious about this. Is that something that has a potential that it could be in soybeans in future years? Potentially in future years, it hasn't been our initial focus to get on the market. Taraxa right now just in small grains, and it's a very very specific, very good wireworm um, product. But uh, we can normally, once you get a product like that on the market, you then expand and look look at other possibilities. So uh, we really haven't looked uh, in depth at soybeans to date. Okay, yeah, I'm just curious. I, I I know there's. I'm excited though. You know, we had all those years where there just weren't a whole lot of exciting new products, and now you mentioned Safina, and I, I know the pipeline is is filled with lots of other things that are coming. What are some other things you're excited about here in soybeans going into 2021, Dwayne? Well, uh, I think uh, you know we're we're really just looking at obviously more options for growers aren't we with some of the some of the trait platforms to start with with seed selection uh it certainly gives growers a number of options where you can use modes of action with these uh with these new traits you bet uh and uh it certainly gives you more options you don't have to use every product that's available to you in that trait but it gives you that option do you want to use it early do you want to use it late you know do you have volunteer corn is that part of your decision on when you spray what 
but it, it certainly makes uh, more options available to growers. Well, that is always a good thing to have lots of choices and good choices out there, too. Talking with Dwayne Rathman with BASF. Dwayne, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Sure. Thank you. All right, Brian. Uh, Dwayne mentioned Safina. And just to follow back up on that, there's a couple of products out there that are really specific to aphids. And when you think about it, if we can control aphids without harming the beneficials, does that change when we're going to spray? Does it change how late in the season we might spray or how early we might make that first application? For me, it sure does. If I know, hey, I can spray early, stop these aphids before they reproduce and really explode throughout my field, I like having that option. And not harm the beneficials. Yes, that's the whole key. But here's the problem, Darren. I what I look at is a $2 treatment, a $4 treatment, and a $6 treatment. The $2 treatment, that would be the cheap lambdas that are out there. So, for example, if you look at Mustang Max, or it could be a Lambda Psi, a Serpent, a Silencer, one of those kind of products, it's basically the second-generation pyrethroids. Next, you could step it up to the $4 pyrethroid thing, that would be bifenthrin. So like Brigade, that'd be uh, Capture, or any of those gen generic bifenthrins. So you're at $4. The reason why it costs a little more, it's a third generation pyrethroid. lasts just a little bit longer. And the big thing is it will also kill spider mites, at least in our region of the country. Then you go to the $6 treatment, that's Safina or Transform. And since Safina and Transform have come out, almost no soybean farmers in the United States have been using those products because they didn't want to spend the extra $4, number one. And number two, it's because something you mentioned earlier in the show, Darren, and that is multiple insects. So if you literally just have aphids out there and that's all you're after, great. Then Transform and Safina will be excellent. But if you also have grasshoppers, if you have bean leaf beetles, if you have painted lady larvae, I mean, some of these other insects that can and often do harm your beans, it's pretty nice when you're already out there to get those under control at the same time. So anyway, that's kind of how I would look at that whole thing. And then I would go to, all right, what other bugs are we talking about? Well, soybean gall midge, unfortunately, we don't have a great answer for that. If you want to try spraying multiple times, probably by fenthrin and just treat the border rows. So where you had soybeans last year and you're butting up to that this year with the soybean field, just those first few rows. That's probably what I would treat. That's that's where you're most likely to have gall midge. Uh, let's see, soybean aphid we've talked about quite a bit. Japanese beetle is one, along with stink bug. So Japanese beetle and stink bug have been moving into our area in the, in the western corn belt. Now, these aren't that difficult of bugs to control. In fact, most bugs are not that tough to control. So I don't get that worried about it. But if you see them... Well, you know, some of this, though, Brian, is control them at the right stage. Well, sure. And it's a lot like weeds. We can do a great job controlling a weed if we can get it when it's two to four inches tall in most cases. Yeah, but... And with some of these bugs, I, I think about like grasshoppers. I just remember growing up, if we got them when they were small, we could kill them easy. Once they got big and they were flying around, it got, got to be a lot tougher. Okay, so that's whole different than stink bug and Japanese beetle. So think about Japanese beetle. Basically, what you're talking about is a grub, okay, that's going to be in the soil. Then you've got the adult stage later that's this big beetle. Whereas grasshopper is going to start out as a tiny grasshopper, and that's going to become a bigger grasshopper through its life. So with that one, I agree 100%. Grasshoppers, we got to kill early. With Japanese beetle, stink bug, you don't 
necessarily have that chance, especially Japanese beetle. So you've got to make sure that you're using the full labeled rate on these insects if you want great control. It's just like soybean aphids. I, I talked to quite a few guys that have failures. Well, it's one of two things. Either you have aphid resistance to the pyrethroids and then just switch over to Transform or Safina, or you could go with Lorsban if that's labeled in your area. Um, otherwise, it's the, a rate issue where people used a reduced rate. And some of these labels, it's frustrating to me. Why would you even have a lower rate label? Now, I get it that the label was introduced 20 years ago. So there was a rate range. But we know with aphids, the pyrethroids aren't that great on them in the first place. And it only costs a few cents more, a few cents more to go at the higher rate. So instead of going 3.2 ounces, you go 3.84 ounces on some of these Lambda products, you'll have much better control. All right, we're going to get back to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. Again, if you've got a question for us, just email email us, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. It's about time. Applied at Planning, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient Flutriophil moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind Enfuro Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. 
That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking about insect control in soybeans. Any last comments on that, Brian? Or you want to dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag? Nope, mailbag. All right. Uh, first of all, got a question. This is from Kathy. She said, we would like to attend your tiling clinic coming up in March. Wondering when you will be opening up registration for that. We are opening it up today. Yeah, just check out uh, the registration on our website, agphd.com. Kathy, you can sign up today and get your spot at the Tiling Clinic. I got this one from Casey. He said, on Ag Talk, they said you have a DVD on tiling. I'm just curious about buying a plow and doing some tiling, so I'm starting to do some research. Thanks for your time. Hey, Casey, thanks for thanks for reaching out to us. You bet. We do have a tiling video and you can certainly order that. You can go to our website, agphd.com, and find that. And uh, we also have a workshop coming up in March. If you are a first-time tiler, that's a great one to see equipment, talk to experts, and get some more information. And you can sign up for that as well on our website at agphd.com. All right, get this one from Brian in Montana. He said, I had a couple of questions for you. First question, can one still register for the Neil Kinsey Soils meeting coming up? I went to last year's event and I have found a reasonable flight. Yes, you can, Brian. You can sign up for that Neil Kinsey meeting. The info for that is also at agphd.com. You can just click on events there and find that one. And then his second question, he said, I've got looking for some info on a new product. I doubt that I could get this here in Montana, but just curious about your thoughts on this specifically or on other similar products to Mez or 40 Rock. I'm sure that you're going to say it depends on your soil test. So I'm just asking in general, like the ratios of different components to, to see what the difference is. So uh, Mez, a lot of folks have talked about that, Brian. It's a 1240O with 10% sulfur and 1% zinc. Uh, 40 Rock is Another similar product, it's a 1240O. It's got a little less sulfur, only 6.5% sulfur compared to the 10% in MEZ, and it's got 1% zinc sulfate also. So what do you think about those combo products for phosphorus that also carry some sulfur and zinc? It's fine. I, I mean, just it's just a question of do you need everything that's in the combo product? If you do, then that's great. If you don't, then it's not a very good way to get your phosphorus. So there are some farmers out there that have plenty of sulfur, don't need the sulfur, so then obviously that doesn't fit very well for them. All right, got this question from Jay in Illinois, and he said, are you familiar with ammonium laureth sulfate? Have a farmer that I know who's using that as a soil conditioner to loosen up his dirt and just wondering if that would be something like your natural type things that you're talking about or no. if that's anything you've worked with. Nope. Uh, no, that's not a natural product that we have. I, I mean, one of our biological products, I should say. That is not a biological product. And in terms of if we've worked with it, no, we haven't. Now, I mean, we're all for trying just about any new thing out there. I mean, with that 
uh, ammonium laureth sulfate, I think you said, Darren. Yep. I, yeah. Uh, we know we do know that is a surfactant, but is it going to actually help your soil and loosen up your soil? Look, the number one thing we would suggest is that you do a good so, good job with soil testing and then make sure you've got all your nutrients balanced in the soil, especially good amounts of calcium. When you have that, usually you're going to find that your soil is more porous. Your soil will be able to absorb rainwater much better. So just simply by doing that, it's going to help. If you want to try this product, yeah, go ahead. Let us know how it turns out for you. But no, we have not done any research on it. All right. Thanks for the question, Jay. Got this one from Bud, and he said there's a big debate about organic versus conventional type farming and using chemicals where needed. Just wondering if one system versus the other has more potential yield. Well, yeah, the conventional. Uh, the conventional will yield more than the organic typically because we have pest control choices, more pest control choices, I should say. You know, when a bug, a weed, or a disease is allowed to compete well with a crop, the crop just simply is not going to yield as much. It's going to suffer. The other thing that I often tell people is, please don't ever forget that when any pest, and I mean, I literally mean any pest, is impacting a crop, there is more stress in the crop. The crop then will produce more natural carcinogens. So, that is a major concern for me personally and why we want to try to keep pests out of our field because then we have a safer food supply. All right. Thanks for the question. This one comes from Darren in Iowa. And he said, I upgraded my phone recently and I need to re-download your app where I could set up my own grids for soil sampling. I can't seem to find the right one, or I don't know which one I should be downloading. What is the name of your app for soil testing? Ag PhD Soils. If you just look up Ag PhD Soils, that should do it. Otherwise, you can certainly give us a call anytime, and we'll help you out. All right, get this one from Karsten in Alberta. He said, I've heard guys in the area using Roundup trying to kill Italian ryegrass, but they have not had good success. Is it resistant to Roundup? Or are we doing something with the application that could be changed so we could get better control? This is a good example of where I wish we had him on the phone because I'd like to ask some questions. So my first question is going to be the rate. What rate of glyphosate are we using? My second question is going to be when are we spraying and what's the temperature? So the temperature is all I really care about. Uh, then the third question I have is... What are we what are we putting this with? In other words, how much water are we using ammonium sulfate? And how about spray pressure and spray nozzle and spray water volume? So nozzle, pressure, and water volume. Okay, so here's what I'm looking at. First of all, as far as I know, most of the time, <laughs> glyphosate's gonna be fine in Italian ryegrass. Now that said, there could possibly be some resistance out there. The good news is there are other products that will kill Italian ryegrass. But let's start with this rate discussion. It, Italian ryegrass is a tough grass. We usually talk about foxtails here on the show. They're very easy to control. So you can go out there with 
a half rate, maybe even a quarter rate of glyphosate, and it's going to work just fine under normal conditions. But with Italian ryegrass, I would want to be using a high rate. So if, let's say, I had glyphosate, I applied it, and it didn't work, then I just bump my rate and see if that works. Okay, next thing, temperature. We need those nighttime temperatures above 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, when I say that, this question came from Alberta in Canada, which is not notoriously known as the warmest place on earth, okay? So anyway, my point here is if the temperature is against you, then you need to up the rate. So instead of using, let's say, a quart of glyphosate, you need to use 50% more, quart and a half, as long as that's labeled. In terms of water, we want to keep the water volume down. And I know it sounds weird, but you keep the water volume down so every droplet of glyphosate is more concentrated or every droplet of spray solution, I should say, is more concentrated with glyphosate. Next, make sure you have ammonium sulfate in that tank. Uh, and then finally, I'd take a look at your spray nozzle and, and spray pressure because we want to have smaller droplets. Smaller droplets will give you better coverage, which will lead to better control. All right, thanks for the question. Get this one from PWW. And he said, I heard you talking one day about the book that Brian had written, wondering where can we find the book and when the next one will be coming out. <laughs> well, as far as next one coming out, uh, not really sure. Could be a little bit, but you should be able to find the book at our website, agphd.com, under the Ag PhD store. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Julie. I recently received information that you are planning to have a Young Farmers Field Day in June. Wonder if it'd be possible to apply for the scholarships that will be awarded or do you just need to attend to become eligible my daughter will be attending sdsu this fall yeah there will be signups on our website soon and you have to pre-register in order to be eligible so we'll have more details of that up on our website uh, very shortly at, again that's at agphd.com Right, we're right in the middle of the oh, And by the way, it's uh, Saturday, June 26th is when we're going to have that Young Farmers Field Day. We're doing that because we didn't have a collegiate agronomy workshop this winter due to COVID. We'll get back to more of your calls and questions right after this. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. I'll take predictability where I can get it. With their CropWise Seed Selector, NK Seeds combines local knowledge and local data to show me where their seed fits. And even where it doesn't. Because out here, predictability is hard to come by. And success matters. Find your seed 
at nkseeds.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker-treated nitrogen. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Get this question from Marco about seed treatment in wheat. He said, I'm a small producer, but we do like to seed treat our spring crops. What's the best dilution for running it through a small 25-gallon spray? Most of these seed treatments go on without water, but you could put a little bit of water in there. You just don't want to put very much water in at all simply because your seed's going to get too wet. And so anyway, I would just say talk to whoever you're buying the product from because each product could be just a little bit different and we want to make sure that you're following labeled instructions. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, Okay. Got a couple of soil samples here. So let me pass this one along first okay this comes from tony in south central minnesota and let's see i think i might have two copies of one of those brian maybe have two copies of both all right so just a little bit of setup first uh he said a special note here for brian tiling is one of the best inputs should have leveraged and done more of that when we were younger uh, yep. So that's that's a nice thing to say. And he said, oh, he said, you'll note there's a sample that's numbered 697. Happens to be outside of our pattern tile. It's a farmable wetland, hence the high sulfur. So you're going to notice that when you see it. But he said, first of all, just want to say your programs have really helped us increase yields, even with high pH. We've been putting on some elemental sulfur, and we've only seen a slight improvement. We did the pattern tiling in 2016. And our pH levels are starting to move a little bit down. How much elemental sulfur? Well, I'll get to that in one second. You say you've been building up the potassium. We've we've greatly increased those levels. We were down around 1% or a little better on base saturation. And But I really want to get back to this pH. You said it's our biggest issue. We did put on 250 pounds of elemental sulfur this fall. And we plan to continue to keep running oh. yearly tests and, and working on this. 
Okay. Oh, he, oh, one last comment. He said, "Run its makers, running some acres on my own, and I work with three brothers sharing machinery and labor." Darren, you have it made. Only dealing with one. Well, thank you. Okay, so he made the comment that pH is his biggest problem, and perhaps this is our issue because we always say, "Look at pH first. Well, I don't believe that pH is his biggest problem. Here are the big issues I see. There are a bunch of soil tests here that I'm looking at, or a bunch of spots where he's got one part per million on phosphorus on the P1, but even if you figure the Olson test, we're talking 10 parts per million or less. So in other words, it the phosphorus level is really, really low. The potassium, in most cases, is well under 4% base saturation K. The copper is less than one part per million. We'd like that at two. Uh, boron isn't too bad, uh, but zinc, you're down under one part per million. And so we're really, really low on phosphorus, potassium, and zinc. And even sulfur, most of that is really low. It's single digits. So I'm going to disagree a little bit here, and I would say save your money on this elemental sulfur thing. Let's invest those same dollars in P, in K, in copper, in zinc, and in sulfur, and I think you're going to be far money ahead. And once you get these other nutrients in balance, what you're most likely going to find is that pH is going to start to regulate itself. So that's exactly what we've seen on our farm, where the pH starts coming down, even though I did nothing that I really thought was for pH, but I just got all my other nutrients balanced, and I was in a lot better shape. So, nope, spend your money on the other things. And and also, there is variability out here. I mean, there are some spots where P and K are actually fine. But guess what? When the P and K are fine, and, and this will help prove my point a little bit, when the P and K are fine, and some of the other things, what happens to pH? Well, it's now in the sixes. All right, thanks for the question. We get this one from Paul. He said, first of all, thanks for your show and keep up the good work. Wondering what I can do to speed up the breakdown of milestone herbicide in the soil. I sprayed seven ounces of milestone on a pasture in early May. The soil had moisture from May through June and then no moisture until after the ground was frozen in the winter. So there were only 60 days. Am I looking at this right? There were only 60 days that milestone could have broken down. I would like to replant the pasture, mm -hmm. but the residual milestone will make it difficult to establish brome and clover. I plan to burn down with Roundup in the spring. Is there anything I can add to the sprayer with the Roundup to help the soil microbes break down the milestone? No. And as far as hurting the brome, I don't think it's really going to hurt the brome much, but I do think it's going to kill that clover potentially for years. Years. So that's the challenge when you use those long-lasting products like Milestone, Ally, and Tordon that are out in, in it, that you would typically use in in pasture ground. They're just they they can persist in the soil for an incredibly long time. So I don't care if you would have had even above average rainfall, you're still going to have an issue. It just lasts a really long time. And by the way, since you bring this up, Darren and I were just talking about this this morning. And I'd made the comment to Darren. I said, Darren, I don't think LLGT27 beans are getting near enough play. And here's where I'm going with this. I'm not saying that, you know, this trait is some incredible world beater or anything else. Other than this, HPPD tolerance to HPPD carryover. 
And Darren just made the comment to me, well, most guys don't think they have HPPD carryover. And I said, Darren, look, we're coming off of 2018 and 2019, where we had two years of record rainfall throughout much of the Midwestern United States right, and Southern Canada. but also cloudy and not much sunlight. I and cooler. Who cares? I, 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 I don't care. We had all kinds of all rainfall. Those helped and we had weed we had weeds galore and I mean we had all kinds of it. Yes, I agree. On the on the temperature, I I agree with you that that would make a little bit of difference. Well, but what and, I'm getting at here is add in, we had forty inches of, of rainfall. Weeds. Sure. Well that's we had gonna help. Right. We had forty inches of rain. Well, anytime you have more rain, you have more weeds. Um so we had forty inches of rain two years in a row here, which is two records back to back and then we went to 14 last year 14 inches 14 and we we basically had no real good precip after july 5th well there was one 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 rainfall of like an inch so so how much hppd were we getting rid of that let's say got sprayed in june by somebody they only had you know a couple of rains after that and then it shut off so what I'm worried about is all these people that used high rates of HPPD and maybe didn't even think about it. Let's say you used Resicor or Acuron or, you know, some premix that had HPPD in there and you go, well, I don't know. I just used the rate they told me to use. Well, what you might not realize is you might have gotten a dose and a half or two doses of HPPD and in a wet year, that's probably fine. In a dry year, I would worry about it. And I'd especially worry on any overlaps or anything like that, that, you know what, maybe you should plant some LGT27 beans in there. And I'll bet you they'll yield more than your regular beans because you have carryover. So it's at least something to be thinking about. So anytime we deal with these products that persist a long time in the soil, like Milestone, like Toradon, like Ally, like Chaparral, or in corn, like HPPD, we got to think differently when the year is different. So anyway, that's all I'm getting at. All right. Uh, got this one from Clay in central Missouri. He said, first of all, thanks for looking at my soil tests earlier this fall. We're going to be planting seeds in rye that was planted in the fall and terminated in early June. Looking for any advice to boost yields. Is there anything that I could be doing this winter this is non-irrigated ground. Wait, like step back. You said planted this fall and they're going to terminate it in June? Yes. Why are we waiting so long? Not sure. Okay, so... It's a cattle farm. Okay, so... Our, 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 uh, here's my guess. I'm guessing they're bailing this up and then they're going to kill I'm, it off. I'm betting it has a feed purpose. Yes, yes. yes. So, so it's notice he not, didn't say cover crop. Exactly. He so, just said we, we seeded rye. <laughs> right. That's that's the correct way to say it. A lot of people say cover crop. Well, it's not a cover crop at all if you're taking it for forage. So anyway, the, the number one issue that I have when you do that is that you've sucked all kinds of moisture out of there. So if this is a dry land farm... You know, we are out of this is out of our control, obviously, but we got to pray that we get plenty of rainfall after that point. So beyond that, uh, what was his what was his part? What was his big question? What what else? Just what do? else he could do to boost yields? There's nothing really much out of the ordinary other than I want you to think about this. You're now raising two crops per year. So you can't just fertilize for one crop and expect to raise two crops. So make sure that you account for all that all those nutrients that you just took off the field with the rye especially when you also most likely took the stover besides the seed thanks for the question today really appreciate that clay 
Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. Had a wide range of topics that we got to, and a lot of them, again, were around uh, workshops that we've got coming up. So go to agphd.com if you're interested in either attending the workshop or catching it virtually. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.